In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. You believe that? It's a really good question, isn't it? Now, we spent a lot of time proclaiming this at Easter, but it leaves us with a problem of what it is we actually believe. And the story of Thomas is one of the ones that makes that clear to us. I might add, he's nowhere in the Bible called Doubting Thomas, just for the record. Now, what is it? Thomas comes in to be told by everybody there that he needs to, that they have seen the Lord. He says, I'm not going to believe until I can put my finger in his side and my fingers in the wounds. Now, this is not the only place in the gospel accounts that we find this kind of incredulity. It also occurs in Luke, uh, where people come and they're sure they're seeing a ghost and Jesus assures them that they are not. Well, that's great. But I thought to myself, that still leaves me the question of how is it I, who have not seen, am going to come to believe? And how is it, indeed, that this is going to be good news for me or anybody else? The reason that's a serious issue, and Thomas draws our attention to it, is the fact that we have a great deal of difficulty believing uh, that there is something real about what happened on that Easter day or indeed on any other day. Now, I happen to get a good example of that because uh, I have been blessed by being, uh, have, being half French. And one of my more extraordinary aunts was <clears throat> uh, took the trouble after I had been ordained priest she wasn't quite sure what to make of all this religion stuff. And so she says, well, je suis catholique, c'est ma religion. She says, I'm Catholic, it's my religion. I was brought up by the sisters. Mais un tu grand comme toi, a grown man like you. How can you believe this, these stories for children? Well, well, nobody ever said that Auntie's great gift was consistency. But it doesn't matter. It's something which is very common. If you want a nice, subdued Anglican version of this, stand outside an Anglican church or an Episcopal church on a day when we're having lessons and carols. And everybody comes out and they're just bubbling over with Christian spirit, Christmas spirit, because they got all lights and schmaltzy and uh, singing Christmas carols. And one guy says to another as he comes out, do you believe any of this stuff? Yes, well, no. But everybody likes it. That's the thing which is really rather startling. All religions and all stories and indeed in all our lives, we have on the one hand, uh, a whole series of wonderful stories that we would love to be true, and a whole bunch of things of real life 
that tend to be where we live the rest of the time. So the question is, how is it you get from wonderful stories for children, for fairy tales, from myths, from Tolkien, from Narnia, to actual living in a world where things are not so neat nor happy? Well, there isn't any easy answer, but Thomas's picture is very much a good example of what it is we need to do. Because on the one hand, there's, we have seen the Lord, the Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon, or whatever. And at the same time, there is everyday life, the life of wounds, the life of ordinary things, the life of having to hide out from the authorities, all those things that are part of everyday life. Now, if the resurrection happened, if what we say happened, then those two things came together. For one time only, there was an example of the part that's there for our picture of what we would like to be true, and we are told that it actually happened. When told of this particular event, the old, an old atheist said, read through the gospel accounts and said, rum thing, he said, rum thing. He says, it almost looks like it happened once. And somebody else said, well, that's all right. It was a long time ago and maybe it wasn't true. Well, how are we going to get together with these two things? The one on the one hand, that we would like to be true, the myths that we fight and with Zoe, and the thing that we are assured is true. Now the trouble with this is that, unfortunately, if what happened happened, the resurrection and Jesus are at least for the present and the past absolutely unique. Never happened before. J. Iris was told very clearly that his daughter was not dead. Lazarus was a resuscitation. Ditto the widow of Dane's son. And so it goes. But this is supposed to be a resurrection. Absolutely different from everything that has ever happened. Someone really died. Wasn't just revived but actually came to live a new and fuller and more glorious life. And it only happened once. Now, those of you who have had a little logic know that there's a problem with things that only happen once. That is because we do not know, uh, we have nothing to judge them by uh, if we come and get them. One example, when we look at the evidence for anything in the past, we're looking at it because we can ascertain that there are battles, there are histories, there are kings, and therefore we have some kind of comparison to assess evidence with. Not so the resurrection. It never happened before. Now, it isn't nonsense, because if it happened, it's going to happen in the future. 
every single one of us is going to rise just like Jesus to a new life and God's judgment. So, it's not nonsense, but we still have to ask ourselves, how are we in our present, with our knowledge, going to assess this story for children? Did it happen? And if it happened, it has enormous implications for our lives and every other life of every entity on this planet. Now, one of the things I thought to myself, not asking here about faith in the abstract, but faith in the concrete, which is seeing and meeting and encountering people who are living the, re the risen life. All through my life, I have met such people. Now, it's kind of odd. They weren't really too aware of it. And yet, at the same time, they managed to, to display the life of the risen Christ already in the present. Not in the future only, but in the present. Something I could see and feel. And when I know that and read the evidence in the Gospels, I find that I live in a world where resurrections happen. I've seen a glimmer. And that means that when I look at the evidence, it's actually pretty good, you know, from a purely historical event. So here we are. How is it that you assess your life? Have you seen the resurrection in anybody in your life? And if you have, you're in a position to assess and believe those stories for children I had somebody once who really helped me my first year in seminary, when like so many seminarians I was miserable <laughs> and going through culture shock. <clears throat> well, he was from England, he was there, he was a visiting priest, so full of life and love and everything like that, he helped me get through the whole thing. Well, a couple of years later I was over there and I stopped in to say hello and I wanted to thank him for what he had done. And he said, oh, joy, he said, Richard, if you only knew how miserable and lonely I was. But he managed to show the resurrection life. So I would like to say that Thomas is a reminder to us that we should, all of us, first, on this Sunday of doubting Thomas, look at our own lives and see where the resurrection has glimmered out in other people, in other ways, and in other times. And then be mindful that we too can display the same joy and love and find ways to do it. And that is the best witness you can make to the fact that, yes, indeed, Jesus rose from the dead. Indeed. And, yes, Auntie, I'm happy to tell you the stories for children are true. Now unto God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, be ascribed as is most justly do, all might, majesty, opinion, and praise, now and forever.